very briefly, I'd like to talk to you tonight about this one question. Youth reaching youth for Christ. Is it worth it? Turn in your Bible to two places of Scripture. One is in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and 12, and the other is in 2 Timothy. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Somebody said, cast your bread upon the waters, and after many days it will return buttered. It will return buttered. You make investments in the work of the Lord, and there are going to be dividends from those investments. Moms and dads, you pour your life into the lives of young people, and you're going to get rich dividends for time and for eternity. In this same chapter, chapter 11, look at verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from the heart, put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And the rest of that chapter deals with the reason it's important for young people to place their life on the altar of service for Christ while they're young. Youth is the time to seek the Lord. Childhood is the time to form habits that will last for all eternity. Some have said, why would you take time to have a youth program in a church? Why do you take the time to have a lock-in? I saw these people when they came back Saturday morning, all draggled out and could hardly keep their eyes open. Do you know that some of them, we have a bus ministry, and some of uh, our men are in the bus ministry, and they came to the bus meeting. I was proud of them. They came in there, hard to keep their eyes open. They'd been up all night with our young people. But they did that as an investment for time and for eternity. Why do you have a nursing home? Uh, sometimes moms and dads say, well, why do you, you just demand so much? You take all day Sunday for the kids. And uh, after all, we need them at home. We need them to do this and that and the other. Is it worth it to encourage your young people to go and share themselves with folks in nursing homes and pour their lives into lonely, the lives of lonely people that don't have anybody that cares for them? Or is it better for you to take your child home, your teenager home, and let him sit around and watch television or watch the ball games or do whatever else you want him to do all afternoon? Which is better? Which is wiser? Why do you have teen time on Sunday night? Why for 25 years have you tried, has the preacher tried to get the young people to stay after the evening service for an afterglow and really sort of buck the tide of some parents? Some parents say, well, my little Johnny or my little Mary needs to go home and get her beauty sleep. Needs to go home. 
And I'm going to just go to a church where they get out at 7 or 8 o'clock. We can go home, watch television, be like normal people, and go to bed. I'd like to encourage you to not let your young people like, be like normal people. But to be absolutely way out in the right field, serving Christ, and learning how to serve Him, and honor Him with all their heart, and all their soul, and all their mind. And I have no apology for these years and years, asking generation after generation after generation of young men and young women to stay for that late Sunday night broadcast to bless other people across the city. We do not know how many lives have been touched by that. I know some make fun. I understand that. Some make fun of you in your service for the Lord. Some of you at the factory are made fun of because you carry a Bible or because you don't cuss and swear and snort like the others do. Well, I'm not surprised that some would make fun of that radio broadcast. But there are many, 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 many people that we will never know about who have heard that broadcast and have received the Lord Jesus as personal Savior. Some too timid to ever make it public. But when those preachers at the close of the service come to the climax, and incidentally preachers who preach on the broadcast, don't talk about the people way out there. We're talking to ourselves and we're talking uh, to young people who grapple with problems. The folks out there that listen by radio are not any different from the folks right here. We all have these same problems and we need to deal with them forthrightly. And when we do that and we give opportunity for somebody to give their lives on the altar for Christ, God blesses that. Why should this church have a college program? Why should we try to get into Western University? Why should we encourage young college students to go up and knock on the doors at Pierce Ford Tower or the other towers and the other buildings, the other dormitories and the houses around Bowling Green that house college students? <clears throat> Why should we do that? Why not just be like everybody else and just forget about it? I want to give you four or five reasons why I believe God would have this church have a dynamic youth program and why we would encourage every mother and daddy and people who are halfway interested in seeing young people go for God, get involved and help us in what we're trying to do. Number one, it taps the resource of youth while they are young. I don't know how many people I've heard say, well, I didn't have opportunity like that when I was young. Uh, people didn't take an interest in young people. I want to say to you young people, Glendale Baptist Church is interested in you. This church cares about you. Now stop talking back there, because I can see you. I'm talking to you. Don't ever talk while I'm talking. All right, I'll call your name if you do any more. I love you, but don't do that. All right. Now, God, Glendale Baptist Church loves you, cares about you, and has invested a great deal in your lives. And I want to encourage you to take the strength of your youth and place it on the altar of service for Christ. You're never going to be 16 but once. You'll never be 15 but once. You'll never be 18 but once. And you can choose what to do with that. You can go out and dance your night away in frivolity, carnal court, courts of pleasure, or you can put your life on the line for God and use it for the Lord. Years ago, when I was served in Bethany Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan. We didn't have very many young people. It was a new church. But we had a young lady that got serious with God. Her name was Marilyn. It was in the spring of the year. And Marilyn came and said, uh, you know, I've given my life to Christ. 
I love him, and I want to serve him. She said, I don't really know what to do. She said, our, our school is having the senior prom. And uh, as a Christian, I'm not sure that I should go to that senior prom. I feel like it might take away my testimony. Oh, she said, if I go, I probably wouldn't dance. I wouldn't drink like the rest of them do. But I'm not even sure I ought to go. And I don't know what to do about it. I don't want to be a stick in the mud. And beside that, my, my, my boyfriend, Don Finney, has invited me to go with him. And I don't know what to do. But we prayed about it. I didn't tell her what to do. We prayed about it. Read some scriptures from Romans chapter 12. Same scriptures have been there 30 years. They've been there 80 years. They've been there 100 years. They've been there 2,000 years. So I just read those same scriptures that young people have been reading through the ages. And I read about Colossians chapter 3. If you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, mortify the deeds of the flesh, and all that. If eating meat offend my brother, I'll eat no meat while the world stands, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and so on. And we read those things, and we prayed, and when we got through, she said, I know what I want to do. She said, would you have a fellowship here in our church on the same night they have the prom? And she said, I'm going to come to that fellowship, and I want to help make it the most exciting thing we have in Lansing, Michigan. And so we had a big throwout that night at the church, same night of the, of the dance. She tried to get Don to come, but Don thought that was crazy. You mean to tell me you're going to church on the night of the prom? We just have a prom one time in your life, and all the kids at high school are going to the prom. You mean to tell me you're going to church? Yeah, she said, we're going to have a great, great time. We're going to have a fantastic time. Well, he said, you just have to go by yourself. I'm going to get some other girl and go to the dance. Well, it hurt her, hurt Marilyn. She came and talked to me. We prayed about it. I said, Marilyn, if he's God's will for you, you don't have to worry. If he isn't, thank God he's getting somebody else to go with him. And so he got some other girl to go to the dance, and that night we had one of the most powerful blowouts you ever had. We really had something over there at Bethany Baptist Church. It was tremendous. We had a great group of kids. The next week, she saw Don at school. She said, uh, Don, did you have a good time Sunday night, uh, uh, Saturday night? Oh, yeah, I had a pretty good time. So he missed her. Uh, oh, she said, we had a wonderful time at church. I wish you could have been here. She didn't, she didn't accuse him. She didn't down him. She didn't uh, uh, talk down to him or preach to him or anything else. She just talked about what a good time she had. And before the week was over, Don said, I, I'm sorry, I, I wish I had come. And she, he said, I'm sorry I took that other girl, and I want to apologize to you. That later, that summer, I had the privilege of marrying them. They've lived happily ever after. They've had a few problems, ups and downs, like everybody else. But I want to tell you, Marilyn put Jesus first, and I want to challenge you kids to do that. You see, when, we, when you have a youth program, when you have something going on for young people, it gives them an alternative. Now, I know some kids come and dabble a little bit in this, and then they go and dabble a little bit in the other. They can't make up their minds which they're going to do. It reminds me of the guy that can't decide whether he wants Mary or uh, Joan. And so he says, Mary, I'll take you on this hand and Joan on this hand. Here they go down the street together. If either one of them had any sense, they'd slap them and leave them. I want to tell you, you can't dabble in both things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Christ must be first in our lives. To have a youth program and a youth ministry taps the resources of youth 
while they are young. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. I'm praying that God will help us to build a strong youth corral, youth and college corral, a youth group that will sing for the glory of Christ. But I want to tell you, young people, you have to be faithful to it. You can't hop in one day and hop out another day. It's like playing in a band. It would be preposterous if you'd say to your band director, well, I'm going to come, uh, I'll be there Monday, but I'm not going to come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm not going to come next week, but I'll come the next week. You wouldn't play in the band. And beside that, you wouldn't know how to play a trumpet or a trombone or flute or a tin whistle. You have to stick at it. You have to get at it. Mac Fogel is one of the greatest pianists I know. He has spent hours and hours and hours practicing. Rudy Atwood was at our church. We had an interview one Sunday afternoon while he was here. Rudy is one of the great pianists of America, gospel artist. He never has compromised that art. He has never profaned it by playing rock music or anything like that. And somebody said, Mr. Mr. Atwood, how did you become so proficient in this? He said, I practiced eight hours a day. Eight hours a day. Eight hours a day. And you let him sit down there and go over the ivory over there, and it just blesses your soul. But he paid a price. And I want to say, young people, if you're going to bless people's lives, there's a price you have to pay. You have to prepare. You have to be there to get ready. You have to be ready yourself so that when the opportunity comes, God will use you and God can bless you. Secondly, we need to have a youth program because it tends to capture the youth for Christ while they're young. Does that mean they're not going to make any mistakes? No, no. I don't know anybody in this auditorium who hasn't made a lot of mistakes no matter when you gave your life to Christ. But it means no wasted years. That's what it means, no wasted years. No mistakes? No, it doesn't mean that. You're going to make some mistakes. But it means no wasted years. You put your life on the line for Christ, and God will begin to use you and use you and use you and use you. Or you can withhold it, hang on to it for yourself, spend it like you want, do whatever you want to do with it. Wasted years, wasted years. I don't know the rest of it, but it's a terrible tragedy. I know some people that have had wasted years. What a sad thing. What a sad thing. Now, God will take us wherever we are. Whoever you are tonight, whatever your condition, there may have been some wasted years in your life. If you'll give back to the Lord the strength of your life, He'll take you where you are and lead you on. But you can't erase those wasted years. They're there. How wonderful when a young man or young woman, early in life, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, sells out to Jesus Christ and says, Lord, here's my life. I take hands off of it. I give it to Thee. I want You to use me. That person has a built-in advantage. There's some things he doesn't have to unlearn. And there's some things he doesn't have to learn because he's absorbed them along the way. Thirdly, we need a strong youth program. We need to focus on reaching young people for Christ and anchoring them in Christ because it teaches youth that today is the day of decision. The day of decision is not tomorrow. It isn't when you're 20 or 25 or 30 or 40. 
The day of decision is right now. Some of these children on the front row need to give your hearts to Jesus Christ. I don't believe you ought to go to sleep in church. Wake up, honey. If you're going to come, wake up and listen. You know, you can give your life to Christ. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was nine years old. Some people think, well, that's way too young. I've, I've seen people, sort of, someone comes down the aisle, a young child, and he gives his heart to Christ, and I've seen some people say, well, there's another one. Shame on you if you ever make it into the kingdom of God. <laughs> that little child, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. I believe I could have been saved when I was five if somebody showed me how. We need to pray that young people in their early life will come to Jesus and put their life on the line. And then Sunday school teacher, training union leader, adults, moms and dads, let's hold that priceless possession near to Calvary, near to the cross. Get them in touch with God. Sometimes adults are prone to say, well, but look at all the mistakes they make. They're, they're not, they're, sometimes they're not very courteous. Sometimes they uh, uh, are grumpy. Sometimes they are this and that and the other. Of course they are, just like you. <laughs> just like me. They're that way because they, they're human. They have human nature. But young people need to put their lives on the line and learn to le learn that early in life, early life is the time to give their lives to Christ. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not. I frankly believe that that's talking about childhood. And the word for youth can be used to refer to childhood, little children. Because when you become a teenager, you're bidding for a lot of other things, a lot of things bidding for your attention. Time to give your life to Christ is while you're young, very, very young. Fourthly, when we have a youth program that honors Christ, it tends to train the youth for tomorrow. We have some young men, they're not so young anymore, they're out preaching the Word, they're in their 30s and 40s, maybe a little older. Some of them have radio broadcasts. Do you know they never did have to learn how to have a radio broadcast? Because they grew up with it. They had it all their lives, all their spiritual life, they were part of it. Never had to, it was no transition, no shaking thing, be scared to death, because they had all that scare when they were younger. And to have a strong radio, incidentally, I'm glad we have a videotape. I'd like to have a television ministry. I'd like to ask God to help us get on cable television and let our young people have the experience of sharing the gospel of Christ with a whole city and with a whole area by way of television. My idea here at this church is not just that the preacher should do all the preaching. Of course, you know that. I've been criticized a number of times for having supply preachers and having other people come and having young people preach and so on. I intend to keep on doing that because I believe that the plan of God for this church is to train young men, young women in Christian service so that when they get a little older, they can just step right into the ranks and they're in charge and they know how to direct things because they've learned it. And when we have a strong youth program, God will help us to see that come to pass. Last of all, I want to just say, I believe having a strong youth program, youth reaching youth for Christ, will cause a triumph on earth and in heaven.
a triumph on earth and in heaven. That is, in the church, there will be a certain degree of triumph in recognizing that you've had an investment in the lives of young people who have gone out to serve the Lord. I don't know whether we take time to think about it or not, but did you know that every time a soul is won to Christ in Tokyo, you have an investment in it because you invested your life in Takoi and Lanaoi? You poured a lot into them. And you're still doing it through support through our Foreign Mission Board. Every time some military man gets touched for Jesus in the Japan area, you have a part in it because you invested some in Joe Meeks, who is now stationed in Tokyo area. Every time I, I saw about the terrible earthquake in Ecuador the other day, and I thought of our dear Larry and Becky Doyle, who were part of our church. He serves as president of the seminary in Quito, Ecuador. And every time somebody gets saved down there, every time there's an investment spiritually made, God uses you. There's triumph right here because of the investment you poured into their lives. You see, when you hold the, hold the reins and you hold the lines spiritually and financially, God blesses that. But that's not all. You know the story of the missionary who went over to Africa, spent 40 years serving the Lord there. And then they came to retirement age. They were coming back to America. On the ship was President Theodore Roosevelt. He had gone to Africa to shoot some game. And he too was coming home on the same ship. Well, as they neared New York Harbor, they could see the Statue of Liberty. Their hearts were thrilled. There were goose pimples on their, on goose pimples. It's a thrilling thing to come into that harbor and see, uh, see that Statue of Liberty, whether you come by plane or you come by boat. And as they came in, they saw thousands of people lining the banks, thousands of people. And, and the, the missionary wife said to her husband, look, I wonder if, and she named some people, wonder if some of those people are here to meet us. And they looked, 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 and they looked. And they did not see one familiar face. And after a little while, the missionary wife said, you know, it just doesn't seem fair. It just doesn't seem fair. We've been out there in Africa for 40 years, pouring our lives into those souls and winning people to Jesus and try to change a continent for Christ. And we come back home, and there's nobody to welcome us. And the missionary husband said, it's all right, honey, we're not home yet. We're not home yet. There's a reward in the city of God for a church that pours its life into young people and holds high the, the light that young people might be challenged to put their all on the altar for Christ. There are young men and women in this room tonight who could put your life on the altar for Christ. God could use you. It begins by a willingness to say yes inside of your heart. A willingness to say, here am I, Lord, use me. And then a willingness to say, I'm going to, by the grace of God, discipline myself to be usable, usable by God. Somebody said you cannot play Beethoven on a tin whistle. You can't play the great music of heaven. You can't sing the great songs of heaven. You can't influence others for Christ 
if your life is all messed up with the things of the world. Put your life on the line for Christ. Maybe bow together in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in this place tonight and for that vision of all those young people standing on the platform a few minutes ago. What it would mean if that group of young people would march out as an army serving the Lord Jesus in the years ahead, putting their all on the altar for Christ, being used and usable by the Holy Spirit. Lord, tug at, tug at somebody's heart tonight. We pray that there'd be a young man, young woman here, there, that would say, I want Christ to use my life. Maybe it means trusting Him as Savior. Maybe it means coming to just take a stand in this church. Maybe it means a recommitment of life or a sellout to the Lord of glory or a yieldedness to the will of God. Whatever it is, may God's hand be upon these dear young people and moms and dads and everybody interested in young people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. <clears throat> What's our song? 252, come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. And I want to ask you to take Jesus seriously tonight. Whoever you are, take him seriously. There's somebody here tonight that could put your life on the line and God would use you. He'd begin to use you. There's no end to what God could do with you and for you and through you if you'd give him your energy, your youth, your strength, your life. I urge you to do it. There's some here who have been hearing God whisper in your soul that he has something for you to do. You've not yet said yes. Would you say yes to, the G to Jesus tonight, to the voice of God in your heart? Would you? If you're here and you're under a burden of sin or guilt, you've never been saved, would you come to Christ while we pray, while we sing? Who would step out for the Lord Jesus? Would you do it while we wait, while we pray? And while we sing, would you come tonight for Christ's sake?